Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, this is John Sadak, TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for late night Reds talk. Hey, what's going on? Welcome into another edition of Late Night Reds Talk Live, part of the Believe Network, sponsored as always by our friends at Bet Online. We've got an awesome guest on the show, Mo Ager of 700 WLW Sports Talk 1530 and The Athletic. We'll get to the conversation with him here in just a moment. But before we do that, I wanted to tell you about our partner, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head onto the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online is where the game starts. I also want to make mention that our good friends Clay Snowden and Aram Layton over at Just Baseball are going to be doing a special Reds Prospect Q&A show on Thursday night, June 16th at 8 p.m. over on the Just Baseball YouTube page. I am really looking forward to that show and to hear Aram, who is just one of the best prospect writers in the business, give his thoughts on some of the Reds' rising stars like Ellie De La Cruz. So make sure you check that out. It will definitely be a fun show. And we're so appreciative of Aram, who's come on our show and helped us out as well. All right, without further ado, here's our host, Tim Daniel, introducing the guest of the night and a fun conversation with Mo Ager. Obviously, a really unfortunate start to the season, uh, as fortunate as it gets. Um, but I will say that, you know, played better baseball above 500 since the three and 22 debacle, um, which, you know, still hasn't gotten them out of the cellar, obviously, but seeing this kind of group of young starting pitching kind of really take their step, you know, Hunter Green just got nationally player of the week. We got a little bit Nick Lodolo before he got hurt. Graham Ashcraft's made some starts and really, uh, we kind of seem to overlook uh, Connor Overton, who has some really good starts for. He got injured as well. Uh, what do you kind of? It feels like this is kind of direction the team's looking to quote unquote build. And I know our fan base does not like the term build uh, because it seems like it seems like they think feel like they don't have a plan. But it seems like at least there's something to look forward to as far as a group of young starting pitching to like be excited about. Yeah, it's it's why for for all the deserved skepticism that exists and and for all the frustration with ownership, it's it's why I hate the comparisons to 2015 to the last time they did this because I don't I don't think it's that difficult to identify if if this works if what they're doing works and in a couple of years they're contending for something meaningful, it's not that hard to identify around whom that's going to happen, right? It's going to be Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, it's going to be the the young arms they have in the system, it's going to be Jonathan India, it's going to be Tyler Stevenson, Reds catcher or first baseman, Carlos Tyler Stevenson. Uh, it, it's it's not hard to identify who it's going to be. And then, you know, I mean, it's it, it gets to be really intoxicating. And I, I, I can sometimes roll my eyes at those who only want to talk about prospects, but it can be intoxicating to look at what's happening at Dayton right now, how well that team is performing and performing with guys that seem to have legitimate major league futures. And so I, I don't like the comparison to 2015, 2016, because – 
I remember often during those years going, when are we going to find out what the core is? When are we going to find out what they're going to build around? It took a few years for that to happen. I think we know uh, the, the core of guys they want to build around. Now, it, it remains to be seen, obviously, how good some of these guys end up being. You know, what is Hunter Green's true ceiling? I think we all think it's really, really high. But is he going to realize his immense potential? Are the guys who have either arrived at the big league level or are about to arrive at the big league level, are they as good as advertised? Can they stay healthy? Um, can, can they make an, enough of an instant impact that maybe this team can win something or contend for something substantial in a couple of years? And is is the promise that exists in the the lower reaches of the organization, does does that actually turn into something that's uh, tangible on the big league level? But, but I think it's easy to identify if the Reds are good anytime soon, it's going to happen around a core of guys that's not that difficult to identify. And we couldn't say that in 2015 and 2016 and 2017 when we were just watching the Reds cycle random dudes through like, I don't know, Asher Wojciechowski. And- that was the first name I thought of. Yeah, Asher Wojciechowski, because I, I actually listened to somebody with a straight face compare him to Roger Clemens. Like that, that, that happened in my life. And he was like, well, his build, the way he looks, I'm like, just stop. I mean, what? I don't even know how to spell Wojciechowski. Uh, but, you know, I mean, they were just, you know, Scott Feldman and all these dudes they were using. They're really not doing that so much right now. They're 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 u- utilizing guys at the major league level in 2022 that you can envision having success in the uh, not so distant future. And that's despite the record, despite as frustrated and frustrated as we have all been with the direction they've taken the club, that is still pretty exciting. It is. Um, I think one of the things too, that like, you know, to kind of give the devil its due is, um, and a lot of these guys are probably definitely performing over their head. Um, guys like Albert Amora Jr. You know, are definitely going over expecting us, but guys like Brandon jury, they kind of found and maybe they lucked into, but like the performance they're getting from those guys, jury, especially has definitely been kind of reassuring to say like, maybe they don't, if they don't start three and 22, we're having a different conversation about this team right now. Yeah. I, I think to a degree, it's a credit to the baseball people that, all right, you know, it's not like they wanted to trade Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. They probably wanted to trade Suarez, but it's, it's not like they, wanted to just unload a bunch of former all-stars they were told to ownership told by ownership to to do that right but they were also then told hey you got to fill the roster and you know do it with some guys who aren't going to necessarily be bargain basement dudes um i guess almora would be the exception to that perhaps but hey go find some guys that can be useful and capable and They've done that. Brandon Drury has a decent chance to be their all-star. I mean, who would have yeah. wagered on that to begin to begin the season? Albert Almora, I knew as, you know, the dude who was in Chicago and, and was a good defensive center fielder and, you know, offensively, you really didn't uh, – you really weren't scared by him, and, and he's proven to be useful. Matt Reynolds has, has proven to be useful. The baseball operations people were told, go find some guys that can help, and they did. Now, they're not helping to the degree that we would all like because – the start was so bad and the team top to bottom isn't all that good. And, you know, you could certainly hold Nick crawl accountable for a lot of things when it comes to maybe the construction of the bullpen and things like that. But if, if, if you're judging him solely by, Hey, they had to fill the roster with some guys who are useful. They did that. And that's not always the case. It hasn't always been the case here. It is the case this season. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Obviously today the Reds took a tough, Seven to four loss, uh, but another nice outing from Luis Castillo, uh, which brings us to bullpen discussion. I know, Mo, you're excited <laughs> about this one. Uh, <laughs> ooh, baby. So, you know, your your comrade, your your coworker Lance, 
uh, mm-hmm. had a tweet today that said, how can the Reds front office be taken serious with throwing a bullpen like this? Dot, dot, dot. After the bullpen they had last year. And yeah. um, you know, like at first I thought like the beginning of the year, I was like maybe it's not so bad. You know, Alexis Diaz is pretty good, um, but it is kind of like where everything's kind of falling apart. It seems Tony Santiano obviously not as good as he was last year. Luis Sessa, Justin Wilson being hurt. Um, it's been, you know, what we kind of just talked about as far as like just throwing random dudes out there. It's almost, I wouldn't say we're there, but we're teetering there. We're getting there. Yeah. And, and then there's the criticism that's valid of the front office. And, you know, this has been, when was the last time that you felt like they had a collection of guys that when that bullpen gate flung open, you felt pretty good about who's coming out. Um, maybe to a degree, 2020, the shortened season. Um, but over the course of a full year, I was talking about this the other night, and I, I did so in such a foolish manner that I said the Reds finished 32nd in, or were 32nd in Major League Baseball in bullpen ERA, which is hard to do because there's only 30 teams. Um, but if you go back, to, and I know ERA is only one somewhat, uh, outdated stat in, in judging a unit's or a pitcher's effectiveness. But still, since 2014, um, the best the Reds have finished in bullpen ERA was 13th, and they've only done that once. So they've been, the bo- they've been in the bottom half of the league for almost a decade every single year in bullpen ERA. And again, I, I know it's just one somewhat limiting statistic, but to me that that illustrates a major problem for this team. And th- the frustration for me is with the organization and the front office, but also just the way a lot of people talk about relief pitching. Um, I I'm old enough to remember when your bullpen had like one guy that opposing teams were scared of, and he would come in and get the last three outs or the last six outs. And then, you know, nobody else was really throwing hard. Maybe there was a lefty specialist, but the bullpen was just where you stuck, you know, an injured starter or a guy that you used and he would start, you know, the other game of a double header and he would only pitch if a game was a lost cause. And you really didn't care about those guys back there because the expectation was the starting pitcher that night, win or lose was going to pitch six, six, seven, eight, maybe nine innings. Um, I'm old enough to remember watching guys lead the league in complete games with 21. Well, the reality is relief pitching has never mattered more. We're using more relievers in games than ever before. We're going to them earlier in games than ever before. They're being asked to get more high leverage outs than ever before. Uh, Good managers and good organizations are more creative with their bullpen than they've ever been. And so it's time to start talking about that area of the team as one that matters almost as much as starting pitching, right? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if starters on average aren't getting to the six, that means the bullpen is occupying close to half the game. They're being asked to get close to half the outs. Well, okay, then it's then it's really time to start emphasizing that area. The Reds are, I think, occupying or devoting, I think it's a little bit over 5% of the overall team payroll to the bullpen. The big league average this year is 11%. Well, it's time to get closer to the league average. Um, it's it's time to stop talking about the bullpen. Bullpen is a place that you go and you stick a guy who used to be good or, hey, we got this guy on the cheap because, you know, nobody else wanted him. But, man, he was really good three years ago or we really can't figure out what to do with these with this guy. So we're just going to jam him in the bullpen. And by the way, the rules have changed. And so if you put a reliever in the game, you can't yank him after one batter anymore. So to me, the way we talk about the bullpen every offseason, when we sort of outline like how good are the Reds going to be? And again, this is maybe more of a fan thing than anything. It's we talk about the position players and the starting rotation. And then we talk about the bench 
and the manager. And then it's finally we get around to relief pitching. And it's time to stop doing that. It's time to 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 talk about that unit and for the front office to value that unit in, in a more modern way. And I just don't feel like that's happening here. Um, it, it feels like the strategy in the bullpen has often been to just fill it out with some random guys, fill it out with, you know, let's see if Sean Doolittle can recapture the magic. And I was not opposed to the Hunter Strickland signing. Obviously that hasn't worked out, but did it really feel like this off season, they went to the end of the earth to construct the best possible bullpen? No, it feels like, again, it's just kind of a random collection of guys and there've been some individual successes. Alexis Diaz has been fantastic, but but still, there's just too often when you feel like in the middle of the game and certainly toward the end of the game, like, I don't know who I want out here right now. That's really devastating as a fan, and it's got to be extraordinarily crippling if you're a manager. And that's my biggest beef for the people who want to complain about David Bell. To me, you really can't judge how good or bad a manager is until you equip him with what he needs in the bullpen, because to me, that's the most direct impact a manager has on a game. It's a long answer. Yeah, but, you know, I got to listen to you earlier this week talk about that, and I couldn't agree anymore. Like, I mean, I feel like the the bullpen trend is going to go away from having a closer for them getting paid the money for a guy who comes in in the fifth inning and can throw the sixth inning when the best hitters are up. You know, we always talk about high leverage situations. We want that guy. But I think it's going to start getting paid that way. So guys are going to want to be able to throw multiple innings at a time because – that's more important than ever. I mean, we, we freak out whenever Hunter Green gets to 103 pitches. Mm-hmm. We freak out whenever Tyler Malley threw 100 and whatever he threw last week because that's the most he's ever thrown. And we're, I'm like, 100? I threw that in college. I threw 125 <laughs> in college. And then I still played years of years of pro ball. Like, you know, these guys have, have done that, and they kind of regress. And I understand it's a long season. You kind of got to, you know, baby your investment. But at the same time, those relievers, they're, they're more important than ever, and – I mean, and you're right. They they've got to they've got to change that instead of just relying on failed starters to become a bullpen because that's a totally different mentality, totally different position. It's not even close to being the same. Yeah, and even this year with with the shortened spring training, there was going to be a shorter leash on starters than even you know we normally have. And you know what 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 I get frustrated and you know a guy called me the other night and and when I was talking about this and he's like, well, you know, back in the day, uh, Nolan Ryan threw 300 innings, and I'm like, yeah, a He's Nolan Ryan. Don't compare anybody to him. Number two, that's just, that's not the modern realities of the game. Okay. So you have to operate within the modern realities of the game. And the modern realities of the game are dudes aren't going out there heaving in 140 times. You know, I mean, God, we saw Tyler Malley last night and I felt like I was a kid again and it was awesome. And he was great. But even when he came out for the ninth inning, I mean, first of all, just for the purposes of winning the game, I wasn't sure that was going to work out and it did, but it was just, it was bizarre to even like, at the end of the night, fortunately, they won the game. There's a nine under IP, and and you're it just it's so jarring. It happens so infrequently, and you can complain about that. And you know, there's 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 the part of me that would love the idea of watching Hunter Green take the mound every single time he goes out, thinking he can go nine. He's not. That's just not how the game is is regulated. It's not how it's coached. It's not how guys are developed. So you have to operate within those modern realities, and the real the modern reality suggests that you've got to do more to put together a bullpen every single year. And your manager deserves that. And this manager, for the most part, and his predecessor, I don't think have been given legitimate chances because of, of the bullpens they haven't had. I mean, I've, I've said often, you know, when David Bell goes to the mound to make a pitching change, as that bullpen gate flings open and 
some random dude comes charging out, he should turn toward the owner's box or turn to the, the GM's box and go, look, like, what do you want me to do? Um, and so that's got to change for this organization. That's got to change. And it's if it doesn't change anytime soon, then the results are, are going to be, uh, I think, pretty limited. I don't want to go on to the, about the bullpen too long, but just like real quick, like today's game, when they brought in, whenever they left Art Warren in, passed those three batters after he clearly didn't have his good stuff. And then with two lefties coming up, they don't go to reverse San Martin and I'm like blowing a gasket. And that's, and I'm talking about bringing, bringing in a guy who just got recalled. Like he yeah. got sent down because he wasn't good enough. And I'm over here. That's how like equal it is throughout the bullpen. Everybody is just about that good. So I'm over here begging for them to bring a guy in that they just brought up from triple A. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing I even said on the air the other day, I'm like, I'm, I'm oddly excited about Reaver San Martin coming up and I shouldn't be, but, but compared right. to what we're watching right now, like, well, who knows? I mean, you might as well try. It just, it feels like it in recent seasons, it, you know, and again, like last year, it, it wasn't anybody's fault that Amir Garrett just didn't pitch very well. And it wasn't anybody's fault that, you know, Michael Lorenzen got her. like those things happen. And, but you, you know, it just, it feels like way too often when they go to the bullpen, you're just like, it feels like they're just throwing stuff up against the wall and, right. and that uh, it's unsettling as a fan. And it's going to be really hard if you're a manager. Yeah. Um, so the reason why I asked for you to be on is because, you know, again, I've been listening to the show and one of the main talking points right now is Tyler Stevenson and, you know, the move to first base. Um, if you want to give a, a quick second and give everybody your stance on, on why you think that the red should move there. And then we can just talk about it from there. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, first of all, after watching uh, Chris Oakey and uh, Aramis Garcia, <laughs> I, I've softened my stance a little uh, because i I didn't think I didn't think I could. Th- I think you know I might have thrown my shoulder out throwing my remote at the second wild pitch last night. Because, but um, Tyler Stevenson's an all star catcher, and and he's turned himself into a, a very good defensive player. And if if the Reds were in the thick of things, yeah, keep him a catcher. That's that's best for the team. And they're in the thick of things because they're set everywhere else. The reality is they're not in the thick of things. You've got a guy who's gone through multiple concussions. Um, I I I think highly of him as as an offensive player. I want his bat in the lineup. He's being asked to play a very physically demanding position, and he plays it well. Um, you could put him behind the plate for the next 10 years and, and and probably get really high level play behind the plate. And the guys are going to love throwing to him and you're set there and you're good. And the only question you're going to have is who's going to back him up. But the concussions are reality. The demanding uh, nature of the position physically is a reality. And the fact that this team is better with him in the lineup to me is reality as well. Um, There's also, we don't know who's going to play first base post, 2023 as, as much as none of us want to imagine life without Joey Votto we're closer to that being reality than I think some realize and, and yeah, maybe Joey's on the team somehow in 2024 I, I don't know that that's going to make the sort of fiscal sense that we would all like but okay but you know right now who's the first baseman moving forward well it's not Joey in all likelihood so who is it um I oversimplify this admittedly I, I because, you know, people say, well, then who's going to catch? And I go, well, who cares? Go find somebody. Uh, I think I said they should put a sack of sand back behind the plate and honestly would probably be better at stopping wild pitches than Chris Oakey right now. 
Um, and I know it's not that simple. I know it's more, much more complex than that, than that. It's, it's, it's hard to, to find high end catchers. And if you move Tyler Stevenson to first base, you are sacrificing a guy who's turned himself into a very good defensive catcher, but I want to protect him. The concussions are unavoidable and, and, you know, I'm no, uh, a brain trauma expert, but the more you get, the more susceptible you are to them. He's already had to go on the injured list twice this year. I, I just don't, I want to minimize the possibility of that. And I want to maximize what he can do offensively. And so to me, I want to protect him and I want to maximize him. The best way to do that is to not have him behind the plate. Now, um, if there was a long-term first base solution, or if there were no DH in the national league and Vado's 31 years old and in his prime and he's playing first base, uh, this is a different conversation. If the Reds were contending for something this year and the team was pretty well stocked and you don't want to screw with what you're doing now, then it's a different conversation. But you have the flexibility now to try some stuff out. And so even if you're not married to the idea that he's going to be a first baseman long term, why not work him in there occasionally? He's played 140 or so big league innings at first base. It's not like they've haven't toyed with the idea. It's not like he hasn't gotten some reps there. So I would like to do that in the short term. And by the way, if Tyler Stevenson is your third catcher, first of all, you no longer have to use your backup catcher as DH and worry about what's going to happen. Second of all, that's that's pretty good. It's not that he should never catch again. I just don't want that to be his, his main gig, his main position, at least for now. I'm open to the idea that you try this and then you go, screw it. This isn't the best course of action. But I think you owe it to the player, and I think you owe it to just what the season dictates, and the season dictates you can try some stuff. And so for, for those reasons, I know you disagree, and, and that's awesome, but I, I, for those reasons, I'd, I'd like to see them try him at first base. Yeah, we need a different perspective on here because we're all disagreeing, so <laughs> we're happy to have you. Uh, Mo, before we get you out of here, we actually got a question last night that I, I know you are kind of uh, along the lines of a little different than, than I am. Mm-hmm. Probably, you're probably more with most other people. Uh, talk about the uh, the extra inning rule. You hate it, right? I do. Um, I'm not going to say it didn't create some excitement last night. That game last night was immensely fun, right? Oh, yeah. But for nine, but that was it for nine innings. That's a terrific baseball game. High end starting pitching. Legitimate questions about strategy. I um I don't side with those who wanted to see Nick Senzel bunt. I don't really understand why you would have a guy who's never laid down a sacrifice bunt in his big league career. I don't know why you would would do that. I want him to try to get a hit there. I'm 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 very for the most part much anti bunting, but I do like those discussions. I like, you know, conversations about strategy and you know should Votto be pinch run for and do you bring Malley back out for the ninth inning? All that stuff is great. It's a great baseball game. Diamondbacks executed just a picture perfect eight four two on what I thought was a, a pretty decent send. You got to make them make a play, and they made one to perfection. And then in the tenth inning, we play an entirely different sport. It's it's just not baseball to me. It just and I know that's a very sort of old man yelling at clouds thing. I also feel like to a degree that this is a solution in search of a problem. Um, How many 16, 17, 18, 19 inning games did we have prior to 2020? We really didn't have that many most extra. And I, I had the numbers in front of me because when we talked about them continuing the rule, this uh, when the lockout ended, I, I looked at all this stuff up the number of games that go beyond the 11th inning, the percentage of extra, the, the percentage of games is not that high. The percentage of extra inning games that go beyond the, the 11th inning isn't extraordinarily high, certainly not extraordinarily high, the ones that go past the 12th. And so 
all right, we get sometimes these 13, 14, 15, 16 inning games. To me as a fan, those are fun because they're different. Now, I will acknowledge this in part because bullpens are being called upon earlier than ever before. There are legitimate questions about, well, what if you run out of pitchers? What if you have an Aaron Harang pitching in San Diego sort of thing? And I, I really do understand that. I just don't think that you have enough uh, of these super long extra inning games where you're in legitimate danger of running out of guys to the point that you have to fundamentally change how the game is played. And to me, what we do in the 10th inning is not baseball. It's a cheap inversion of baseball. And I was listening on the TV broadcast last night, uh, John Sadak, who's a big fan of this podcast and uh, Chris Welsh, were talking about, well, in other sports, when they get to their version of extra time, um, they, they do alter how the game is played. Uh, college football does, the NFL does, soccer does, hockey does. But in those sports, they're trying to avoid a tie, which in most of those sports used to be a part of the result. And those are also more physically demanding sports. We're not trying to avoid ties in baseball. I know some have made the argument we should have them. And it's not as physically taxing a sport as, say, hockey or, or football. So to me, I just... Last night, and I'm the first to admit that, yeah, to a degree, we're starting with a guy on second base. I, I just, I don't like changing the game itself when for nine innings, the game has been great. We're playing one way and then we're playing this entirely different way in an effort to stop something that wasn't happening all that often to begin with. By the way, the Reds were in San Francisco six, seven years ago, late night game. They play 18, 19 innings game ends at like four 30 local time. And I loved, and like listening to the announcers get cranky because it screwed up their dinner plans and stuff. Like I, I just, to me, those games are somewhat fun and, and I'll have people say, well, Mo, but nobody's in the stands in, in the 10th or 11th or 12th inning. Well, many people are leaving before the, the eighth or the ninth. So, I mean, at, at what point, at what point do you go, look, folks aren't going to stay for a three hour game. So they're not going to stay for a four hour game. I just, I'm rambling here, but I, I just, it's, it's not baseball. And it's, it's to me something that is not necessarily being done to address a major problem in the sport. Never will I ever forget the 2011 Phillies game when Wilson Valdez got a win yes! against the Reds. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Jay Bruce hit a home run, I think in the yep. ninth inning to tie it. Right. Brandon Phillips got picked off at second in the 12th. Yeah, yeah, great game, right? And when Wilson Valdez came in, uh, pitching against his former team, right? Or no, pitching future against team. his uh, future team. Yeah, yeah. Pitching against a team that he would once get a suicide squeeze walk-off sack bunt against. Mm-hmm. Wilson Valdez did that the following year against the Tigers. And play center uh, field in game five. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember that night. Like those games, they're they're so weird because they happen so infrequently. And and again, I'm watching this as a fan. If I'm a manager, you know, I even remember that night or, or in some of those games, you're like, all right, does it make sense to just put a position guy out there and lose the game so you have a chance to win the next one? I think those are interesting discussions. And you know, I, I'll never forget Aaron Harang on Memorial Day weekend against the Padres and wondering, is this going to screw him up? And maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But I just don't think that those long, super long, lengthy games happen frequently enough to change how we play every extra inning. I would even listen to arguments that say, look, once we get to the 12th or once we get to the 13th, then, you know, we're going to start with a guy on second base. So we're going to start with a guy on first base. I, I would actually even listen to, well, can we compromise and start the 10th inning with a guy on first base? 
but then I think you're going to see more sacrifice bunting. And fortunately, we really haven't seen that much with a guy on second. Um, but I just, as a general rule, like last night, that was a really good game for nine innings. And then in the 10th, the, the whole thing felt kind of cheap. Those last three innings were insanely exciting. I'll grant you that. But we, we played what I think is a fundamentally different sport, and I'm not here for it. Is that Carlos Garcia that you're putting up there, Nick? Carlos Fisher. He threw Carlos like, Fisher. Fisher. He threw Fisher. like he threw like ninety pitches in relief in that game. That game was that's awesome. right. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. For some reason, I remember that game very well. Well, Mo, I know you said you only had a few minutes, so I got to ask you this for a here because sure. even though you're probably sick of me asking you basketball questions, you're the only person <laughs> in Cincinnati media I can ask basketball stuff too. Hmm. Uh, does Golden State close it out tomorrow? I think they do. I think if they don't, it's going to be really interesting to see how this the the pressure shifts to Golden State. Um, if I'm a Boston fan, it's driving me nuts how Steph has a bad shooting game. He didn't have a bad game, but he had a bad shooting game, and yet uh, my team just flung the ball all over the place. The Celtics let that game get away. Their bench has done nothing. Tatum has Tatum is shooting like 28 percent from inside the arc. Uh, they missed a ton of free throws in game five. Like that game was there for the taking. I, I, but, you know, this Boston team has come off the mat so many times, did so against Milwaukee, did so against Miami, to a, a degree did so uh, game three against Golden State. So every time it feels like the walls are closing in on them, um, they have figured out a way to, to you know, you know steer things back on course. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see th- the way the first 12 minutes play out because does Golden State deliver a knockout blow does Boston get up or energized by the home crowd? Can the Celtics play from ahead and then withstand what is likely to be a Steph Curry barrage? Because you certainly don't expect him to not hit a three, but if Boston wins tomorrow and suddenly they got to go back to San Francisco, I think the pressure is enormous on golden state. And so I kind of believe if the Warriors don't win game six, Boston's going to win game seven, but I don't think Boston's going to win game six. Yeah, I feel the same way, uh, for sure. Well, man, it's always great to have you on. It's good to see you. Will I see you in a couple of weeks at TBT? Um, yes, I'm going. Yes, yes. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I am going. Awesome. Well, Mo, it's always a pleasure. You know you're welcome here anytime, man. Uh, anytime you want me, you know how to get a hold of me. Thanks, guys. I right, appreciate Thanks, it, man. Welcome. See you guys anytime. Well, the, the line right now is uh, Golden State plus three and a half. So if you're listening to Mo's advice, head on over to Bet online, 50% deposit bonus. Use a promo code BELIEF. I think that's a good bet. Yeah, I, I think that's a good bet. I, yeah. has, uh, has anyone ever won at Golden State in Game 7, though, in the NBA Finals? <laughs> I, I, think, I, I, I think your home city might have done oh, that yeah, one yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good times, good times. <laughs> uh, man, well, I know we've got a few things to tell. Uh, we want to talk before we get out of here. Uh, what first, give a quick shout-out um, to... Uh, Carlos, who last week was on the riverfront, um, my apparent enemy, uh, as the Twitter wars have broken out. Um, and Chad did clarify that there is no animosity. It is pure hatred on the episode. So, um, Chad, um, I don't like you very much. Actually, I love you. You're welcome on here anytime. So just I'm ready to bury the hatch when you are, if you're listening. If you're out there. If you're out there, <laughs> um, Nick was. Damn also it, that on. sucks. I didn't get to have my conversation with Mo, my stupid computer. My what power what happened. Out right when the show starts. The entire computer. reason I had him, I wanted him to come on, was so we could talk about Tyler Stevenson. And 
we'll set up like a side pod where you guys can just well, yeah. hash we'll probably out. have to just do it over beers whenever i come up to cincinnati yeah month. you know um if anyone has a, a wants to buy some late night reds merch so we can get carlos to fly up here uh that would be definitely <laughs> appreciated uh late night reds.merchmake.com where we sell t-shirts and hats and stuff no we don't sell hats yet um but carlos fight- <laughs> yeah dog bandana slash women's underwear according to carlos um but uh we need flight money flight money is very important for carlos <laughs> to get up here because i don't know if you guys have seen or not flights are insane uh but yeah so late night reds where you can get all of our cool swag i immediately regret the decision to say swag there so you guys can find me for that one if you want um all right so today art warren are we um is there anything worth saying about art warren at this point with how much he struggled he's got options he's got options but do the reds (laughs) they could swap moreta or you know at this point why not move the deck chairs around a little bit um, yeah, that poor bullpen man. Oof, yeah, catch up to him sooner or later. Yeah, man, it's like I don't know. Like today, when Drury hit the homer, which was awesome, obviously. Um, you know, what that guy's been able to do is insane. Uh, it's been a, a joy to watch. You know, I'd love to be, see him be in Cincinnati for a little longer if possible. If he, you know, escapes the trade deadline, it's still a red. Um, but you know, I felt a dread immediately and I know that that's not how you should feel when you tie a game, when Zach Gallon got 17 guys in a row out, you know what I mean? And so like knowing like, all right, cool. We tied this up. We have a chance, but then you're like, all right, you know, this guy's going to come in this and this, and this isn't going to go well. And it was, you know, I hated that. I felt that way, but I honestly, that that's really how I felt uh, after the jury Homer. Yeah, I don't, it just it it feels like you're gonna get something different every day. I mean, I thought you know overall they pitched pretty well last night. Um, wild pitches aside, I mean, you know, I think there's only one runner that wasn't the ghost runner that scored. So yeah, it's just it's uh you're getting a getting something different every night. I guess I don't know. Two years in a row that we're talking about that. Like, I was thinking about when Mo was talking about the last time the Reds had, like, a bullpen you felt like you could count on. And, like, is there something more recent, Nick, you would know this better than me, than the Marshall-Broxton-Chapman trio? Has there been something since then that's been, like, feasible? Not really. I mean, not not that good. I mean, um, the Reds had a, a Glacius, um, yeah. David Hernandez, and Jared Hughes that were all really, really good. I think it was probably 2019, 2018. 2018, maybe. I mean, I think they all had like ERAs in the two, two or, or, or low threes. They did. Holy shit! You look it up, man. I'm not making it up. They had. They had. I one, know you're not. They had everyone, one year. Everyone had remembers one. Iglesias for that brutal year, but like, really, he was really freaking good. No, everybody remembers Iglesias in non-save situations. Yeah. Um, that's, and, that's what they and then, for. and then like like Mo mentioned, I mean, I thought the 2020 bullpen they got off to a really really bad start, but then they were like incredible for like the last like month of that season, uh, and they uh, they really threw a lot of innings. Um, 
And then, I mean, I thought the bullpen in the second half last year was was pretty good when they had a lot of healthy guys and made all those trades. But, yeah, I, I definitely don't think, to Mo's point, I don't think there was anything remotely there was anything remotely close to that that 20. I think it even went into 2013, right? Um, yeah, because Marshall got hurt in, I think, 14. Yeah. Actually, Iglesias, Iglesias was the, uh, no, it was 2018. He was an all-star one year for the Reds, wasn't he? Yeah, tw- 2018, Iglesias had a 2.38 ERA. Jared Hughes had a 1.94. And David Hernandez had a 2.53. And this was 66, 72, and 57 games. Uh, oh. Garrett was in that bullpen, 4.29. Lorenzen had a 3.11 in 45 games. I mean, that was. I remember pretty, him being good that year, yeah. That was a pretty good bullpen. It was just their starting pitching was absolute garbage. So it didn't really matter. I mean, they didn't. <laughs> They didn't have a starter have an ERA below four point three, uh, and then had a some really good hitters and some really really bad hitters. So, but yeah, twenty eighteen. I don't know. I, I guess looking at looking at the numbers again, twenty eighteen was 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 pretty good. I mean, I don't know. You know, some of that might have been fluky, like Jared Hughes one point nine four is a little fluky, <laughs> but um, nonetheless, I mean, that was a really good bullpen. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, man. We talked uh, more about. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, we did get some like questions in the comments. I w- I didn't want to bypass sure. them. Uh, we were kind of moving quick with Mo, so I didn't want to, um, you know, kind of stop the conversation there. Uh, I want to acknowledge Carrick. I think Carrick's pretty much where the three of us we've kind of exhausted our our point. Unless the yeah. doctor says he needs to move positions, um, and I agree, he can either be a good first baseman or a great catcher. I mean, I, I so I think uh, I think we're on that. Uh, Jim asked about why David Bell hasn't used uh, lefties more. Um, I know, Carlos, you were talking about wanting to see more out of River San Martin. Um, I'll start with this. I mean, I just, I just don't think the lefties are very good. I mean, I think the two left-handed pitchers they have are are below-average major league pitchers. You hope maybe San Martin could be decent, but uh, I, I'm not certainly not proven. So I just think he prefers the the right-handed pitchers. Over the lefties, Carlos, you got any other thoughts on that? Yeah, he's probably going off of their splits. You know, they they know that ahead of time on who their options are going to be that game. On you know, on their high leverage situations, they start from you know the most the highest leverage, and they go, we're going to go him, and then him, and then him, and then him. So they already know what they're going to do before the game, really, because to the point that our lefty relievers aren't good enough. And to my point earlier was I thought they should have brought him in was because. I don't think anybody's good enough in that bullpen. You can't rely on anyone other than Diaz. You know, right now, it's just, yeah, you can't rely on anybody. So that's why I'm like, you called him up. He was pitching well. Just let him have the chance. Why not? What, do you, what is there to lose? I miss Maybe you find something there. So much. Yeah. Like you just, I just felt like he could have done it. You know, that would have been two good outings in a row out of the bullpen, one on a very high leverage situation, you know, if it would, if it would have went well. And then you could have, you know, gone from there. This could be the beginning of something for River, for River, but I guess we'll wait and see. It, it seems like Bell's only using his lefties like Detweiler against bad left-handed batters. Like, yeah. not, like he's, he's not he's not using him against Freddie Freeman. He just rather uses his better right-handed pitcher. But if it's uh, you know, the Diamondbacks number seven hitter uh, who has a five twenty OPS against left-handed pitchers, so yeah, that that's the spot I want him in. Though. But now that I'm even thinking about it, like it didn't make any sense. 
Like, why did he leave Art Warren out there for so long? After those three, three first three hitters, he should have been out. And if he didn't want to go to Reavers and Martin, he could have gone to, to another right-hander. He should have had two guys going then. If that's what he wanted because the game was on the line. And, I mean, he clearly didn't have it. I thought he waited two batters too long. Yeah, I honestly agree I, with you. I, I do. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I just I really missed and, and he does I don't disagree with, with with his bullpen calls very often. I feel like there might be like two or three a year, but I'm playing, you know, Monday morning quarterback over here. So well, at the most part, I think he does a really good job. This bullpen in MLB the show is way better than it is in real life. I don't know if you know <laughs> it's not Carlos. They're pretty they're pretty stacked. Wait until the, the update comes out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Let's talk a little bit about uh, – I feel like we've kind of talked about like all the mopey things, and rightfully so. But dudes, I mean, Hunter Green gets National League Player of the Week last week. Yesterday, like we talked about a little bit, Tyler Malley goes nine innings of shutout baseball, 12 strikeouts. Um, you know, further proof the win is a very stupid stat. But, you know, obviously what we're seeing from them has been awesome. Graham Ashcraft is really good. Um, this has been fun, man. This has been like, you know, if there's anything exciting to talk about right now with this team, it's definitely been what we're getting from the starting rotation. I see Nick promoting his own tweets on here. I was going to say, <laughs> I make the slides. I do what I want. I, I literally tweeted that out just to have hey, here, that in there. Hey, so here's a good point. Hey, whenever you got the sticks, you can do what you want. Yeah, I like that's it. right. That's right. I love it. I'm the, I'm the king of self-promotion. So like I'm all for anyone doing self-promotion. Aye, aye, aye. Anyway, where were we? Yes, no, starting pitching is pitching really well. Uh, I was I shared with you guys earlier uh, of the Reds' last 10 losses, five of them have gone to the bullpen. So, I mean, that shows how bad the bullpen's been, but also shows how, how good the starters have been that, you know, um, and they've been pitching very deep into games. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a really solid starting rotation right now. Um, just a shame didn't kind of have this at the beginning of the year. Yeah, you think about too, like, so Justin Dunn hasn't pitched yet. Uh, Connor Overton's out. Um, obviously, Nickel Dull is about to have a couple minor league uh, rehab starts. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, you know, Vlad Gutierrez has definitely been guaranteed he'll never start again with, that, with what they have coming up and what they currently have. Um, but, you know, it's like, I guess it's the idea of like, and Carlos, you can speak this better than any of us, obviously, but there's never too, I guess there's never such thing as too, uh, too many good starting pitchers, especially in a full 162 game season. But they're gonna have some really interesting decisions to make. Yeah, it will be interesting. <laughs> Is uh, Mike Miner gonna be our ten million dollar guy in the bullpen? Remember, someone's got to start in the second half of the season after right. Castillo's gone, maybe Malley's gone, Green's shut down, Ashcraft's is shut down. You know, he he might go to the bullpen for a little bit, but that doesn't that doesn't mean he's not gonna he'll be starting again. Um, yeah, Matt, uh, Ashcraft would be a good guy to see to go in the bullpen at the end of the year because he really only has two pitches, so that's all he's gonna throw. I'm seeing and him on Saturday. You don't have to worry about him like not progressing because he doesn't really work on his third pitch during the games now anyway. So, and what's the just what's the latest on Justin Dunn? Like, is he ever gonna pitch? Who that? Justin Dunn is likely to be in a rehab assignment soon. He threw a bullpen session on June 12th in St. Louis. Nice. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 
Yeah, this is part of the uh, we do the minor league update and we kind of do the uh, rehab assignment update because what other team in baseball can have a podcast where you can have a rehab update that's extensive like the Cincinnati Reds? Um, David Bell said recently he could see a situation with Max Schrock kind of coming up and being part of the roster. Uh, he's you know got his got his share of at bats in Louisville. Uh, Don Solana, who I actually predicted would never have an at bat for the Reds, uh, starting to look like I'm wrong there as he's played five games for AAA Louisville. Uh, Nick Lodolo heading to Louisville for at least two rehab starts, uh, pitched in a Arizona Fall League, a complex league game the other day. And then Jose Barrero, everyone's favorite prospect of the universe, uh, is still finding his bat in Louisville. Um, but, you know, I think right now that's probably. Can I say I feel like that's the best place for him right now? Or is everyone going to get mad at me with how well Kyle, Far- Kyle Farmer's played? I think everybody probably, I think everybody agrees that it's best for him to be in AAA right now. I think everybody's already given up on that. Okay. Making sure I'm still in, like, I haven't lost touch with everybody here. So just let yeah. me know that I tried to save everybody time last year by giving them all the answers. They didn't want to listen. You're like Roddy Piper. Just when they uh, have all the answers, you change the questions. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would expect Schrock joins the team on Friday. I would. I would expect Solano has got to be close. I. I can't imagine they want to write out a rehab assignment. This is the only year you have of him. So right. You know, and, and I. I wouldn't be shocked if they want to get Solano up, get him some at bats. Um. To maybe be a guy they're they're thinking about trying to move at the trade deadline. So. That's the other thing you have to factor in with Barrero is, you know, there's only six weeks to kind of showcase some of your players that you want to trade at the trade deadline, like potentially Kyle Farmer. So, um, yeah, he's not hitting, which kind of makes it an easy solution. I mean, he's not hitting well. I mean, you know, 93 weighted runs created plus and triple A isn't, you know, awesome. So, you know, let him let him get going, let him get in a groove and, uh, uh, you know, bring him up and there'll be plenty of spots to play in in August and September. Are you in the belief that Brandon Drury will not be a red after August? I don't know. I, I yeah, that's just that's such a long time for him to keep playing well. I know. I mean, Drury had a, like a one eleven OPS plus last year. I think people just kind of glossed over it because like, oh, that was a fluke. It was only like ninety plate appearances, and I, I mean, and I'm one of them. You know, when he came over, I, I saw the stats like, yeah, that doesn't match any of his other career numbers, but. When you add that on top of what he's done this year, um, and, and then you also look at some of the advanced numbers from the stat cast numbers, everything looks legit to me. Um, so I don't know. I, I mentioned I would I would love for them to be looking at like a two year contract extension for him. Um, you know, you have all these guys coming up like like De La Cruz and Barrero and McLean here at some point, but uh, Drew's a guy that can play multiple positions and kind of help you get to, you know, bridge that gap to them is going to be a very valuable player or, you know, has the potential to be a very valuable player. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm fine with them doing either way with them. I mean, you know, looking at an extension, if, if someone's going to offer you something substantial back for him, then yeah, sure. You got to absolutely. Yeah. On the shop, but yeah, that's a good point. So Reds gal 21 since he says someone will still, someone will want jury, especially since there's a DH in the national league, more teams will want to add bats. That's, that's a great point. Everyone could use Brandon Drury on their team. It's right. Like the Dodgers could use Brandon Drury right now. You know, but just his position flexibility. You know, he's better than someone on everyone's bench. Resigned from my presidency of the Nixon Zell fan club. I think I finally hit my point. 
Well, he, he, I was about to give up on him, and then, I mean, I know he didn't have much to show for it the last two days, but he beat the crap out of the ball in Arizona. He had, like... I know. I saw that thing you retweeted. He had, like, four, four balls that would have been home runs in Cincinnati, so... I don't know, man. Nixon Zell's a roller coaster. It just... It's frustrating because uh, you can see the talent. You know he's has talented. There been, has there been, been very many ups, <laughs> as many downs? That's a fair point. Yeah, like, it's, it's been a, it's been a. He's like oh, that slow, that that slow boat that just goes. Ch- 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 and it, it goes it like teeters in it slow teeters. motion. It's like and then splashes. <laughs> Shit, he's hurt again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like it's the thing. It's so frustrating. It's like you can see the talent. You can certainly see he's a really like he's oh, yeah. a talented guy, and it's like. But it's like, like Nick said, he has these hard hit balls right at somebody or he gets injured or it's like he has that play like a couple of weeks ago where he gets thrown out at first base to end the game. And it's like, I don't know, man. How many more years is you under the team control? Three? I think three before arbitration. I think he has four. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I forgot about service time because you got to. I, I feel time. already like it's a change of scenery time for him. But golly, we have so much time left. He has, so. he has three after this one. Because 2019 doesn't count. Because yeah, then it, it doesn't make sense right. to trade him now. Yeah, I mean, remember when like they were like talking about like maybe the Reds can put him in a deal with the Indians to get Lindor? It's like that sounds insane now. Nixon Zell is why you is the case why you should trade your top prospects. Jonathan India's the case why you shouldn't. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's a crapshoot. How many times have we try to trade Jonathan India for oh, you man. know something and. We would have got fleeced. Hell, Carlos, you were around when like Joey was like people were talking about trading him when he was a prospect. Thank God they didn't do that. I remember when him and Jay being interviewed at spring training and they were laughing about the fact that they were in every trade rumor. Like that, like before they got called up. Imagine how they would have been now with social media. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well. Um, should we do our, our minor league showcase? So kind of highlight some of the performances there. We or may I skip it ahead. Yeah, no, that's good. We got some All more right. questions. I want to get to at some point. Cool. My guy, Chase Petty, still bringing it. Big fan. Now, what do we trade all these guys? Who do we get? <laughs> uh, bigger than probably the first one. Yeah, I would say so. Oh, come on. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz. I, uh, I heard, I don't remember who it was, but it was one of the, the top like prospect rankings guys said that uh or Zach Buchanan Zach Buchanan now is doing prospect stuff for the athletics said that Ellie De La Cruz could be the number one prospect in baseball next year really yeah I mean Dude, he's gonna I... he's gonna shoot up right now he's at 68 right but he's gonna he's gonna he's he's gonna be top 10 well I've I've like watched a clip yesterday of that home run he hit in Dayton and it's one of those things where, like, guys in a ball, the bat doesn't sound like that. You know what I mean? Like the way that that sounded when he hit that homer was like pretty scary. He's up to, Dayton's he's Dayton's still, high A now, right? Sorry. Yep. Yep. Okay. He stole four bases. Uh, Ailey de Cruz has like got a permanent spot on this graphic. He stole four bases this last week. So I mean, man, just that that power, that speed. Um, I, I I'm assuming he's a good defender, or at least he has the tools to be a good defender. Two, uh, three days with a walk. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, he's going to be a hard, a hard wait. You know, um, he apparently insists that he's a shortstop too, from what they were saying. 
like he's yeah he's like like i'm playing shortstop so oh cool you have an outfield glove <laughs> yeah right nick well, senzel 74 positions well i was talking to someone earlier i mean it, it definitely seems like the reds are obviously stockpiling pitching we see that um with, with, with what they've yeah. done but it also seems like they're stockpiling like shortstop center field type players mm-hmm. um with de la cruz with mclean um Sinzel even, um, who am I missing? I mean, it makes Taylor all the sense in the world to, to Barrero. You know, they try to play yeah, him in middle infielder type, like shortstops. Because I mean, think about it. Whenever you're on a little league team, who's your best player? Shortstop, and that's kind of the same theory. Whenever you're talking about the best of the best, who's the best athlete? This guy, where's he playing shortstop? Okay, well then he can probably play anywhere else. So, I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's so much easier to fill the other positions around them if you have you, know, you have shortstop, center field, and catcher locked up, and of course, second baseman as the Reds look like they do. Uh, you know, left field, right field, first base, third base. I mean, that's those are much much easier positions to to fill with you know at least legit you know major league talent. So yeah, yeah I, I like that. I mean, Ellie Ellie might get in some more lbs and move on over to first base. We might have your uh, answer to first base right there. Yeah. Just gain 25 pounds of muscle, go with Jonathan India and his off-season program, him and his dad, get you about 25 to 30 pounds over the next two years, and just drop Adam Dunn tanks. Love it. I, I get, The more that I, we were like, talking about Chase Petty, the more I get pumped for having Chase Petty in our organization. Man, like just seeing the numbers, you know, the whipping is the way I was as impressive as it is. The fact the he throws it, he throws a lot, like it throws a lot of innings, um, strikes dudes out, you know, this, like, I'm stoked about this guy. Like I know Sunday Gray has like a two, four, one ERA, I think right now from Minnesota and all, but he's also only thrown like 16 innings because he's been on the IL 14 times already. That's all exaggerations. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty high on Chase Betty. I'm pretty excited about that, which means... I just jinxed his career. <laughs> he's only 19, so he, he's got plenty of time to get unjinxed. Yeah. 19. Good if I Lord. like a player, that's not a good sign, guys. I'm just letting you know now. Yeah. Imagine being 19 years old and striking out over a batter <laughs> an inning in professional baseball. Yeah. That's Crazy, awesome. Crazy, man. Love it. I want to get to kind of some questions and sure. some more comments here. So good kind of question here from Jim. I'm going to kind of just change it a little bit. Um, he was talking about Toronto and the Mets. You know, it seems like they're kind of be two teams that are looking like they're more desperate for starting pitching. Seems like the Dodgers are clearly more desperate for starting pitching at this point. Uh, curious your guys' thoughts, and I'll go first. I definitely think it's looking like, now, you know, knock on wood, they stay healthy until the deadline. Um, holding on to Castillo and Malley is looking like the right call uh, because I think you're going to have teams a lot more desperate than you had back in March. I, I don't think uh, Luis Castillo, I'm pretty confident, is gone in yeah, six same. weeks. Uh, Malley, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's 50-50. I don't know. But it definitely feels like the haul for Luis Castillo, they wouldn't have got anything close to that back in March. Do you, Carlos, I don't know. Do you feel different at all? No. I agree with that. Um, people are going to realize that they're in the race and they didn't think they were going to be in it. It's going to be a lot of teams like that and that are willing to spend the money. So I definitely see the the Mets has a possibility. 
Bidding Dude. war. Let's go. Can you yeah. imagine the Nets throwing out Scherzer, Castillo, like DeGrom? Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. They're awesome, too. Like, they're they're fun to watch. And they get swept in a three-game series with those three. Right. They'll, they'll get beat somehow. Like, they're, they're the Mets. <laughs> but, like, they're one they're nothing, one nothing, one nothing. Three straight right. games. Yeah. Actually, the Reds got the Mets here in a couple weeks. Uh, I think it's in, yeah, it's Cincinnati. So Fourth of July week. Yeah, Carlos, what's your thoughts on the what's your thoughts on the Ghost Runner? I don't know if I've ever heard your thoughts specifically on that. It bothers me that they do that just because it's it's like just hurry up and get this game over with. That's what it feels like. Um, they've they've added more players to be on the roster so like they can have more pitchers so it's, it's weird that they're doing that and they're still keeping this roll around um maybe if you want to start it like in the 12th inning i'd be okay with that i guess but i don't know man like last night was fun like i i mean you guys stayed up later than i did because the game was over at twelve thirty central so you know it was kind of fun you know being you know tired that, being tired in the morning because I was up late last night watching a really good game, you know. I don't know. I'm just a, I'm a I'm a baseball guy, so that kind of stuff. I don't care if it's a four hour game. Give it to me. Let's go. Yeah, I don't care how long the game is, and I thought I would hate the Ghost Runner, but I love it. I'm sorry, I love it. I think it's awesome. I really, think it's, I, I I was so against it when 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 it first came out. I think it's I think it's fun. I love it, especially when I'm watching a non-Reds game, you know, because like I'm not going to like if I'm if I turn on a game and it's close in the eighth and ninth, you know, I'm not going to watch, you know, some random baseball game into 15 innings. But I don't know. I, I just I, hate because it, it feels like after the first inning, like if the visiting team doesn't score, OK, that's the game. Right. Yeah. W- one thing that I think is going to be kind of cool, because remember, the ghost runner doesn't happen in the playoffs. So it's going to kind of maybe have like that hockey feel. I'm not a big hockey guy, but, you know, uh, where they don't have overtime during the regular. They have they only have one overtime. They don't play like four or five overtimes during the regular season. Seems and yeah. I, I know you guys, when you're on Twitter, anyone who's a hockey fan, you know, playoff overtime, people get so excited. about. That. I think it could be kind of cool if you see a game in the playoffs go – 13, 14, 15 innings, it's going to have a different feel than maybe it did before, but it's not something you see, you know, very often. So I don't know. I'm sure I get killed for it, but I, I love it. I think it's awesome. I think it's fun. I think it, it creates this extra strategy and yeah, I'm all for it. These opinions you've been giving us here on the show and in text messages of late, (laughs) it's really been breaking my heart, man. Thank you, Evan. Something in that water in Cleveland. Yeah. Man. Oof. I'll I, I respect you too much to share what you told us in the group text this past week, but it's okay. I like Nickelback. I, I jammed in Nickelback. I don't care. Proud. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do that, Tim? This is on you. Our street cred is going way down. Yeah. Son of a bitch, Tim. <laughs> We're now looking for a third member of Late Night Red Sox Live. (laughs) 
Oh, man. So Nick literally sent us last week for those who are just kind of like, what the hell's going on? I made reference. It was like the Reds had lost. Like it was the Wednesday game they lost. And I said, I guess it could be worse because you could have a major league team where everyone walks up to a Nickelback song. And Nick sends Carlos and I a screenshot of a Spotify playlist of all Nickelback songs, including some live tracks are in that playlist. Tell them where they can get it at, Nick. (laughs) I think that's a private playlist. (laughs) Oh, it better be for your sake. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Man. No one's watching right now. Yeah. Surely. I agree. Yeah. Let's look at what's coming up for the Reds. <laughs> I'm so bummed I got tickets to Saturday because I totally forgot Hunter Green was starting Friday. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited to see Graham Ashcraft pitch against uh, George Costanza from Seinfeld. Am I the only one that gets that joke? I got it. I okay. Got it. Thanks, I love Nick. Seinfeld. Is that okay to like? Oh, my God. Thank God. All right. You're redeeming yourself on me. All right. Great. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you have Hunter Green Friday against Eric Lauer. Graham Ashcraft against George Costanza. <laughs> and Mike Miner against Adrian Hauser. Uh, and then the Dodgers come to town. And dude, Thursday might be a call in a sick day and go to the game because. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted, Tim. Man, Hunter Green yeah. versus Clayton Kershaw. That's going to be pretty cool. That's an oof. How about two? That one. How about two off days within I like. Know. Four, like feels like the reds haven't had like any off days which has been great man you know i i love yeah. baseball but uh yeah yeah then you got uh graham ashcraft against cincinnati reds legend alex wood on friday in san francisco um you know if that game was at gbp i'm sure he gets standing ovation maybe a tribute video oh there's gonna be some fireworks going on there baby tommy fans oh, oh yeah with a scheme he asked off today just so he could prepare even more because he's pissed. <laughs> he's pissed. F- I fans- wouldn't want to sit in left field if I was going to a San Francisco Giants game. I'll tell Same. you that. Fam's going to get put on the COVID IL on Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you Why tested you positive. Here, buddy? Tommy's like, I didn't take a test. No, you're positive. <laughs> just don't just don't even worry about getting on the plane. Just stay at home. Uh, select your keepers for your fantasy football league. Uh, your draft's probably coming up in a few weeks. God, that was so funny that San Francisco wore those shirts and <laughs> he tweeted about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. All I got to do is re- release the messages. Nobody really cares, Tommy. It's just it's, funny. It's just a great story at this point. I love yeah. it. If you haven't read through Tommy Pham's <laughs> tweets, and I'm talking, you got to hit the replies because he doesn't like send like tweets without replies very often read through the replies to some of the things it is it is uh fundamundo yeah it's exhilarating unless you're a scout from another professional team please don't (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it'll bring into his character into judgment yeah i think i think we can cross san francisco and san diego out (laughs) as potential yeah maybe st louis as well well, St. Louis gave a standing ovation, not standing oh. ovation, but they were they were uh, because they they're the best fans in baseball, and they know yeah they understand real recognize real yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> here's a look at the upcoming schedule. Um, as you see, like we just mentioned, we got another six game homestand, and then they go to two, 
uh, the Giants, and then the Cubbies. Are we bringing Joey back on for the Cubbies series? Yeah, I missed him last time. Or did we run that? Did we did we run that ticket too many times? I don't see why. All right. No. Cool. How about the random doubleheader against the Pirates on July 7th? I was going to ask, since you love doubleheaders against the Pirates, will you be coming down for that? Yeah, on a, t- <laughs> on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, Joey's not going to like this. Padres are whooping up on the Cubs again. Oh, yeah. Now tune in to Late Night Padres Talk with Carlos. Yeah. How about Tucker Barter? 11-4, top of the fifth. Top prospect. Chicago. What's his name? Killian? Christopher hmm. Morrell? He doesn't count. He's already a big leaguer. Killian. Killian is his name. Joey said he was going to have a great game shoved today, and he did not. <laughs> Is there anything else we can touch on before we get out of here? Did I miss anything? Did you guys, did we miss anything? No, I just want to make sure. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so make sure we shout out just baseball. Prospect show the Aram super kind to us coming on our show and uh, giving the top prospects. So Reds fans tune into that. That'll be a good time. We were kind of jumbled at the beginning, so <laughs> wanted to make sure we uh, we really gave them a shout out. I think that'll be a fun show. I'll definitely be watching. Yeah, and um, I did drink some caffeine tonight, so I was full of energy and my power went out right as we started the show. Um, just my luck. Um, so thanks for holding it down last week. Um, I'm an old man. Apparently, I'm the youngest guy on the show and the oldest at the same time. Uh, so I appreciate you guys holding it down while I was way out of it. <laughs> so appreciate it, dudes. Anytime. We're here for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, cool, guys. So this has been fun. Got a nice homestand coming up. I'll be at the park Saturday if you guys see me there. And you know who I am for some odd reason. Say hi. Um, but other than that, be sure to check you out. You make your way on TV somehow, Tim. I'm not Nick Kirby, okay? You're the only one on this podcast who has not been on TV. You were on TV? The Reds game. At a Reds game. Yeah. Wait, I was on TV? Yeah. From Boston? Oh, yeah, I was. Cincinnati's in Boston. I'm going to go see him play at Fenway. Good idea. Oh, there's Nick Kirby of the broadcast. I didn't know he was here. Little pop to first. We saw him uh, when the Reds were in Cleveland. Yeah. yeah. Does an awesome job chronicling the Reds through his his fandom and his journalism. And the late night Reds pod is on point. Whenever the first five-game win streak comes, Andy Sabo's appearance means she's going to sport Dad's uh, goggle rec spec look. Oh, nice. She declared that, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't, get, I, I didn't get to play it last week because I, I, I couldn't <laughs> cue myself up to it. So, so I have to ask because... Fall asleep. Yeah, sorry. Um, so... What was your phone like in that moment? Because I know, like, we were texting you, but I can only imagine, like, everyone under the sun. Like, did like, did you just feel like the constant buzzing in your pocket? Well, like, I was like consciously at Fenway, like, trying to not have my phone out, like, the whole sure. time. You know, it was like I was like I want to make sure I'm enjoying this. So, like, I hadn't pulled it out for like at least an inning, which 
that's a that's a lot that's, for yeah for for Nick Kirby. Um, and uh, and then all of a sudden, that's just cool. like it's like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, just like nonstop. So yeah, it was wild. That was cool. Carlos and I had to go on air right after that, and we were like, well, all the advertising has been done for us. So. <laughs> Well, perfect. Well, guys, we're rambling at this point. Thank you all so much for everything. Have a good night. We'll talk soon. Go Longhorns. And go Irish on Friday. And don't forget to check out our good friends to bring you the show that online. Have a good night. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.